are valuable people. We're not numbers. We're not ledger entries. We can't be replaced with AI or any technology or anything else. We're unique. We're uniqueness. We each are individually, but also as a species. Our consciousness can't be bought or sold. It's priceless. We see each other here. We know what's going on. Who is anybody kidding? The purpose of this show is to give you some encouragement, some recognition, some daily inspiration to uplift you as you start your day or end your day, and to help you get your best foot forward because your value is appreciated here. If you're a small business owner, a wage worker, or someone trying so hard to make it in these challenging circumstances, you're a hero. You are the heroes and the heroines of this show's story. Regardless of your political affiliations or your religious beliefs, your traditions, or your tribes, you are the value in this economy. And you're seen. In a world of destruction, degradation, the world should see you for the value that you create. And just for the value that you are. If you are working a job and you're homeless or houseless and you have to live in shelters or cars or some sketchy situation, this podcast is dedicated to you. Your resilience is recognized and you're not alone here. Different people do different things when they wake up. I smell the inside of my nose and then I hold on to the bed to make sure I'm really here because it's so hard to believe. And then I exhale and I step outside and make sure the stars are still where they usually are. It's a moment of quiet, anxious wonderment every morning. I suppose one might say I'm an empiricist. Things are what they are. And that's a pretty scary idea for a lot of people. How's everybody doing? It's me. It's me, your old pal, Herschel. I'm going to read a story for you. A story that I wrote earlier today called Interview. Tolliver Smythe, retired train conductor. Flash Fiction February number four. It's the fourth day of Flash Fiction February. Isn't that great? Travel with me, will you? Won't you? Travel with me to the legendary railroad era while I interview old Toller Smythe. He did old-timey stuff, and he's an ornery old coot. You're welcome. I'm Herschel Sterling, and I'm here to help. Dateline, February 3, 2024, by Herschel Sterling. I recently interviewed retired train conductor Tolliver Smythe. We recount the long-lost days of train travel. Tolliver can hear the train whistle from his old train line right from his house. He's lived a long and eventful life, and the sound of the train whistle beckons his memories as we speak. When alone, out in the woods, on the farm, the sound of a distant train is very comforting. There is a comfort in the consistency and a sentimental familiarity. Sometimes lying awake at night, waiting for the train, is the only thing that brings sleep. Tolliver Smythe knew this feeling well. He engineered a train for 50 years of his life, and when he finally retired, he purchased a house just over the hill from the track. He's known better than anyone alive. He can hear his train the very one he drove for 50 years, and he can't get to sleep until he hears it pass in the distance. A solitary man, 
Tolliver lost his only love as she was giving birth at the age of 30. Neither she nor the boy survived. He assuages his love and longing for her by remaining faithful to her his whole life. He sings to her every morning and bids her a good night in the evening. Her teenage picture sits on his dressing table in a frame that he made himself, which reads, My Only Laura. To his friends, of whom few are still living, Tolomer laments, It's hard to tell train stories because some pervert always thinks you're talking about d- Those people who think every d- thing is a d- metaphor. My goodness, it just drives me batshit. He didn't like his memories soiled with the sordid imaginations of presumptuous armchair therapists. While enjoying his retirement out in his garden, Tolliver likes to speak to his plants. He grows a range of things. He likes his tomatoes, his zucchini, and of course, green beans and hot peppers. He'll experiment with the odd pumpkin and squash. He grows flowers too. He has roses and carnations and, from time to time, likes to get daring with some tulips. Nothing too adventurous. He likes to stick with what he knows. His dog, Charlie, who is very attentive, usually sits quietly as Tolliver gardens, reads, or does whatever he's doing. He'll growl in a low tone or bark tentatively at noises. He's got a good extra set of ears around the place. Upon finding that Tolliver was a train conductor, people often ask him about their toy train sets. I work on a train all day long, many hours per week, hundreds and hundreds of hours a year. Then I come home and I want to play with a toy train? What the hell do you think? I want to sit there like a moron watching a little train go around and around in a circle. There's already something wrong with you if that's how you want to spend your time. But if I did that whole shit, I'd be in some institution somewhere. As times changed and less people seemed to be interested in trains and more interested in cars, Tolliver's role as a conductor changed. At one time, he hosted passengers who'd be traveling across the entire country. They'd use his line as a part of their trip. There would be all sorts of celebrations, weddings, honeymoons, anniversaries, and business events. It would be part of his responsibility to introduce himself to these passengers and to answer questions. He would give impromptu tours of the train as well. Dignitaries and prominent people would travel his line, and it was something he did regularly. He would meet them, and on their way off the train, one by one, as they came off, passengers would thank him for a safe trip. Later in his career... As times continued to change, his line was converted to a freight line. He didn't work with the public nearly as much. Rather than people, his cargo would be industrial supplies, grain, corn, soybeans, automobiles, and all manner of commercial goods, including livestock. Once there was a noise I've never heard before since. It sounded like an animal was dying. I was just doing a routine ground check at a transfer station, and I thought a cow was was dying or giving birth or something and come to find out we opened up this one car and these three hobos were doing something under a burlap tarp and I don't even want to know. I never saw anything like that before. I don't want to see it again. Yep, that was nothing like the parties we used to host. Tolliver's little workshop garage is a museum of sorts, like a time capsule of not only his career but also the history of the rails, his various conductor hats, his watches, his timekeepers, and his ticket clickers. There are so many tools. His knowledge of trains, engines, and engineering is more than rudimentary. 
there have been times when his expertise has been needed to get him out of some difficult situations. The shop walls are rife with certificates and awards, congratulatory documents, denote milestones, and a job well done. Oh, yeah. They love to give that shit out. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel like they're appreciating you or something. Let's give this guy a plaque and a watch or some kind of pin. F*** that. Just give me some more money. Why do they waste their time bullshitting us with this garbage? Who the f*** do they think they're kidding? As the sun sets on the little house... Tolliver and Charlie sat down in the living room. Tolliver opens a bottle of scotch and gives old Charlie a fresh bone. Tired from a long day of reminiscing, it's time to recount the day and make a plan for tomorrow. And so ends another day in the life of Tolliver Smythe, a retired train conductor. You know what? I've had enough of this romantic nostalgia. You know what? I've had enough of this romantic nostalgic what it's time for is me to get good and sauced so I'm passed out before that train whistle wakes me up. That's what time it is. The end. I'm Commercial Herschel. I hope you liked my story. That was fun for me. I hope it was fun for you. You can find me all over the place on Substack, especially Substack. You can also especially find me at KUAP, Digital Broadcasting. The Troubled Minds Radio Network is a place where my stuff gets put out there. And I'm really getting into Web3, so you can find me on Fountain. I'm really into the value for value concept and principle. I hope that you'll check out the Fountain app. You can check out the Podverse app. You can check out the Curioso app. Those are all Web3 apps, and I am at Herschel at all three of those apps. You can also find my videos at Rumble. You can find them at BitChute. At Rumble, it's Rumble Early Risers. At BitChute, it's Commercial Herschel. And also at HowTube, it's Commercial Herschel. And there's more news on the forefront, on the horizon, coming up about new video situations happening. I'm going to start another video channel. Can you believe it? Honest to God. So, I hope you liked the story. That was the end of that. I did my little promo. Do you know what time it is now? Do you know what time it is now? Do you know what time it is now? It's time for the send-off, and it's the same every day, only different. My introduction at the beginning lasts about two minutes. This lasts about three minutes. So, if you ever just want to listen to my podcast, just Fast forward two minutes and you can bypass the introduction. Now it's time for the send-off and it's important to me to do this every day. It makes me feel good. That's why I do it. It's good. It's good habit and I'm going to do it and I hope you don't mind. You know why? Because this place where we live is not a joke. When I gaze at the stars at night, when I look out over the hills during the day, I'm consistently reminded that we live on a planet in space wailing through the galaxy like a screaming rock. We're on such a small planet in such a tiny galaxy that no matter where we are in our galactic cycle, the universe of stars seem immovable. That's incredible. We're a moment. We're an instant in an infinite universe. We are an infinite in an instant universe. And every event that has ever happened here and that will ever happen here happened simultaneously in the snap of a finger. The instances of existence are so close in proximity that the whole thing is a singular material event. 
It's essentially over already. Oh my goodness, it's hard to believe we're even experiencing it. We got in. We got in before it was over. I hope we can be here tomorrow. Kooks with nukes. There are people who would say that it makes us insignificant, and I strongly, very strongly disagree. The fact that we are improbable is the very thing that makes us momentous. We are conscious beings who can observe ourselves. We are consciousness observing itself. You are a refraction of light from a single source. You are the individual and the whole. Simultaneously, you are a masterful, mysterious, distinctive, and anomalous paradox. And I'd say that's rather significant. Because in the context of the time that our galaxy is here, and the infinitesimal millifraction of time that we each have within that context, the reality of your consciousness and your power to observe and manipulate matter, to use space, the essence of your energy and your planning and time usage in this three-dimensional plane, the influence of your refraction of the source is immeasurably exponential in the cosmic expanse. Do you know why? Because it expands as far as you're able to observe into the universe, the infinite universe, because your observation affects it. You're rare. You're not only a body, you have radiance, you radiate. Your eyes can't see the frequency, but there's light there. You're a luminescent jewel, and you can shine on yourself from within yourself. You're significant beyond the perception of anybody else. You shine on yourself while you shine on others, and what an honor that you shine on me. Now, smell the inside of your nose. Do it right now. (laughs) 